Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Let's face it. In today's uncertain times, simple conversations about your health can have powerful results. There's something you are likely eating every day. It can negatively affect your waistline, complexion, and overall health. On the Dr. Gundry podcast, Stephen Gundry, a renowned cardiothoracic surgeon and New York Times best-selling author, cuts through the BS to help you make better health choices. You have the ability to heal yourself if you give yourself the right ingredients to do it with. Dr. Gundry has spent the last 20 years empowering people around the world to help reverse and prevent some of our most serious ailments through the power of diet and lifestyle changes. You will change 90% of you. You will be a brand new you. Tune in to the Dr. Gundry podcast to start your health journey. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Because I'm Dr. Gundry, and I'm always looking out for you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Uh, we appreciate you supporting the people who support the pod. And uh, remember, we're over there at After Dark, drdrew.com, drdrew.tv, and doing a daily streaming show. Of course, Adam and Drew. And uh, I apologize for any uh, COVID glitches in my brain. I'm prone to uh, slow thinking and uh, word transpositions and all kinds of great stuff that's left over from COVID. It's a good time, everybody. Well, today, we're going to just take your calls. Let's get right to it. Uh, Mike, what's going on? Hey, buddy. Orlando. Great. Uh, listen, first off, uh, I've been a big fan of you guys, you, you and Corolla, for like 20 years. So thank you for everything you do. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I'm an ER nurse, and I've been through this for the past year. I just got my second vaccination. Uh, I've had a lot of friends who this has created a lot of conflict with, like, hanging out and wearing a mask, not wearing a mask. And I hate to say it, it's actually cost. Some friendships, crazy. Um, yeah, just I'm, I'm sure some of it has to do with political, but you know, people are, like terrified to hang out with me still. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it was even worse like six months ago. Yeah, it's weird. I, 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 there, we have um, fully created a mass hysteria, if not a mass delusion. You know, yeah, uh, it, it, and, it's and been it's frustrating, and it's and it's and it's, 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 and it's troubling me in two common ways. One is my profession has become behaving in the strangest ways I've ever seen. 
where there are all these interesting treatments available. It's clear that if you treat this thing early and hard, that you can have better outcomes. And yet inter- uh-huh. internal medicine particularly seems unwilling to try things, do things, do what we've always done until there's right. some orthodoxy that I guess academia or corporate America or political, I don't, I don't know where it's supposed to come from. In the past, we always improvised and then the science caught up with us and then we tried to, do, tried to adjust to an evidence base as best we could. But in the meantime, we did what we needed to do to try to help patients. We are ossified on that front. Then the other issue, which is what you're alluding to, is the mass delusion about the illness itself. So it's funny. My son got COVID from me. I, 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 my r not was one. I transmitted in my home where it's generally transmitted because we were all locked down. And he got it, and he's 28, and he walked through it in three days and flew. And he afterwards went, well, why did I lock down for nine months? He was pissed. Then I said, what do you think about the vaccine? Maybe you ought to get it in a few months. He said, no. I go, well, why not? He goes, well, if I get this thing again, I don't care. It was nothing. I'll get it again. So what? And I was like, wow, that's uh, quite an adjustment to how his thinking was before. And all the focus on mortality has sort of brought out the death of judgment or the death of math. So so when I was sick, so I was sick with this thing. And it's been it's been nasty. It's awful. And two things occurred to me. One was, geez, we don't emphasize the morbidity enough of this thing. We just totally focus on the mortality. But the morbidity is actually much more common and much more unpleasant. And people, when I was sick, kept going, are you scared? Are you scared? Are you scared? And I was like, no. Why would I be? I was confused. Like, why would I be scared? And I thought, oh, these people have bought into the idea that if you get this, you die. And I and I said, yeah. you know, when I got my prostate out for prostate cancer, I sat down with the surgeon. He goes, yeah, 90% cure. We both looked at each other and went, that's cured. That's it. That's done, 90%. So, so, <laughs> right, exactly. so Yeah, so when somebody says 99% you're going to get through without dying, that's 10 times more likely to be the case than my prostate cancer is to be cured. It never occurred to me that mortality was an issue. Now... Had I gone into the hospital and been a more severe case, well, that's now you know ten percent, twelve percent fatality rate. I would have been a little mm. more worried about it. But at one percent as an outpatient with lots of things to do, it didn't even occur to me. And 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 but people can't do that math somehow. One percent fatality translates into it's like lottery. I'm going to die, and that's just not going to happen. Mm. So I guess yeah. that's where their yeah. heads are still at. Yeah, I mean, my, my thing is that it's, 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 it's very one on the spectrum or another. Most people I work with in the ER, including doctors, nurses, most of them are very cavalier. Like, they're like, ah, at this point, they're like, ah, whatever. If I get it, I get it. I don't, I don't. Exactly. I got my one vaccine. I got my second vaccine. Yeah. But I feel like people who are outside the industry treat me like a leper sometimes where I'm like, listen, first of all, I've never had it. I've never tested positive for antibodies. I've been vaccinated. But still this fear and this, like, I'm sure it's media-driven, too, but it's, it's really causing a wedge with friendships. And now I, I actually don't know how to broach the conversation of, like, well, here's hey, what, can we put this behind us? Here's you know, what they're like here, possible here, at this point. So, Mike, here's what you're doing. You're going, I'm vaccinated, 95% chance I'm going to get, not going to get severe COVID. I'm not going to get COVID. It's not going to happen. I, and you and I cannot think of one other infectious disease on the planet Earth that you can somehow no. transmit and not catch especially after you've been vaccinated. I've never heard of a paradigm like that. But the world is being told, 
oh no, just because he's vaccinated doesn't mean he can't can't pass it. You know that's out yeah. there everywhere, and so that's what they're responding to. And so I get wearing masks is the signal. It's the it's the gesture that says, okay, we're fine here. I'm I I am totally immune. Yet I'm going to go wear a mask out in public. Okay, fine. But but then to not be willing to hang out with people, particularly like out of doors, that does not make any sense at all to me. That's weird. Yeah, I actually, I, I just want to wear like a sandwich sign that says like I'm vaccinated. I want to hold my card up and be like, listen, don't no need to be scared of me. But yeah. you know, I, I was in a band with you know four other guys, and three of them, including myself, were totally fine. Like let's hang out, let's play, you know, kind of practice space. Now two of those guys have broken up the band. We can't even get together to practice anymore because they're just terrified to be indoors with me. Oh, it's so uh, and it causes me so much. I hate to say it, but it causes me guilt. Like, and I don't know, and and the friendship. I haven't talked to that person in six months now. Well, it's so strange. It's so strange. And think about the fact that he's the least to worry about from you than the other peers. Right? You're the least I, likely I would, to transmit. I, I would argue I'm the safest out yes, of everybody. Yes, hundred percent. I mean, one hundred percent. They don't listen to one hundred percent. And then there's the thing I get. You know, those of us that have had COVID get to experience. We're shamed for having gotten it. And by the way, I, <laughs> right. I, I, I wore my mask religiously the way I'm supposed to. I moved about and did my job and those sorts of things that that I had to do essential services. And I probably got it at the hospital. And and, the, and but I'm being shamed for the fact that I would dine outdoors with Adam a month ago or six weeks ago. No, two months ago. Two months ago. Right. Think about that. Two months ago, how, Gary. How long do you think that this hangover is going to last? Where, where to the point where you know the first responders and the nurses and the doctors won't be seen as like someone who's like radioactive all the time? Do you think this is going to be like permanent? Six months? I mean, do we have to get to like New Zealand level? Like, what <laughs> point do you think it's going to be? I kind of think it's going to be the end of the summer. Can sometime. we get to New Zealand level? Maybe not. I don't know. You know, New Zealand's going to have another outbreak. Every, wherever they suppress it, it's going to come back. It's just the way this virus behaves, and and. I don't. I think we can get to the point where people aren't worried about it, and once they stop worrying about it, I'm hoping they look back and go, "Oh my God, what, yeah. let's let's look at our reaction here. That was a little excessive, wasn't it?" But I don't know. That's the part I don't know is going to come, and that's what scares me the most: is that they'll feel yeah. justified in having behaved the, the way they did. Uh, God, it's, cra- it's craziness, man. Can I ask you one more question? I'm sorry to keep you. Yeah, so please. Um, so, I mean, I've been looking at the flu numbers last year from the CDC website where yeah. they're like, this time last year in flu season, it was like 30, 40, 50,000 cases nationwide. I just looked yesterday or the day before, and nationwide since September, there's only like 1,500 nationwide yeah. total. Yeah. And everyone says, oh, well, it's because the masks and social distancing works. No. But yeah, COVID numbers are up 50%, but flu's down 90%. How do you explain that? They're, they're saying multiple factors. A, better vaccination rates because of COVID. B, less testing. Everyone who has COVID-like illness gets tested for COVID, but not everyone gets tested for flu. And I'm sure in the ER you do both, but not out in the, in the outpatient world. Number three, yeah. number three there's this theory that covid displaced the flu like people are getting oh, really? yeah it's some sort of displacement of infection I, I don't know what that is exactly but i hear that kind of thing 
bantered about, and it kind of makes sense to me something like that might be happening. And then, and then for social distancing and whatnot, remember, masks might make flu worse, right? That was why Fauci in the first place was against it, because flu is predominantly transmitted on your hands. And bringing your right, hands exactly. to your face is not what you want to do. So these respiratory viruses are unique in the in the, their infectivity, and it's a it's a miserable illness. I'm here to tell you, I've been through it, man, and I'm still suffering. I'm I'm four weeks out today, and I'm still shitty as hell. I, I'm I'm surprised I can talk to you this long without having to lie down. So I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm glad you're feeling better. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Mike. But uh, hey, here's one other. There's one other piece of good news, which is nurses have been. Res- I don't know about restored, but have been elevated in people's understanding of what that clinical discipline is. In the past, yeah. I mean, listen, if somebody had a weird symptom, they would go to a nutritionist, a chiropractor, a soothsayer. Go to nurses. Go go talk to a nurse. Nurse have yeah. nurses have especially ER nurses excellent clinical judgment. They know more than mm-hmm. anybody else that claims to be a paraprofessional. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, you know how to I appreciate do that because it, yeah, it's funny because yeah. I had people who talk shit on social media, but those same people would direct message me or text me and call me and ask me like real questions. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot. There's a lot of like you know I'm going to put out a face so publicly, but when they talk to me, they're like, "What's the real story?" You know? So yeah. They, they, it's, it's, so nursing has been elevated close. To, I'm still not yet where it should be, but close to where it should be, which is. There, that there is such a thing as medical disorders that you can't treat with nutrition and vitamins. That those things are helpful, but there are truth, truly medical issues that nurses and doctors yeah. handle on a routine basis. And nurses yeah. can be your first line if you wish. Go talk to them. What's that, Karen? I, I was just going to say I completely agree with you, and you're an anomaly because you you're just special. But in my experience, nurses are a lot easier for a lay person to talk to. They're, they're very good at communicating. That's, that's, well, that's, they see that they see education as part of their first job, right? Doctors, we barely pay attention to that. Yeah. A lot of doctors are just busy or whatever, but I go to my nurse friends when I, unless I need something serious, then I bother you. But but. but understand that the nurse can not not only give the information, they can also assess you. Yeah. And and that's, and that needs to be, you know, I mean, you know, I, I don't. I don't have enough to, good to say about nursing, and uh, and, and most and, and most nurses. I, mean, I was a paramedic and firefighter for thirteen years before I became a nurse. Yeah, and a lot of nurses nowadays were in a clinical setting or pre-hospital prior to becoming a nurse because they got burned out or whatever. So I'm not trying to tout nurses, but man, if you have a question, ninety-nine percent of them will give you a real and a good, solid answer. I promise you. Yeah, you know the the guy in the UK, uh, John Campbell. He's a, they keep calling him Dr. Campbell, but he's actually a nurse. He has a PhD in nursing. And he, right. uh, and he does these great videos on YouTube every day, sort of recapping what's in the science, what's in the epidemiology. He's a great communicator, very clear, very great thinker. And the guy's a nurse. And I thought, yeah, this is how nursing should be represented to the world. And, and it's about time. You know, and then people still don't know what to make of nurse practitioners and physician assistants and all that kind of stuff. That, that, that's kind of a weird in interworld that we have, but just think of nursing as your first line. They're they're always there. They're always available. They're happy to answer your questions. It's what they yes, see as part absolutely. of their their first line jobs, and and they know more than literally anybody else that claims. <laughs> in, you know, you know what I mean. Doesn't that drive you a little crazy? It does. I, I appreciate it because it, it it's just something I've been screaming at my friends for the past three years, but they don't they don't believe me because they just think I'm being an idiot. But they, they want to talk I mean, to we, somebody. We, 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 we see such a wide range of things every yeah. single day, yeah. every hour. I yeah. mean, you could line up my five rooms that I have at one time, and it's 
yeah. you know, a full gamut of medicine. And right. I see it as easy, but everyone thinks it's, you know, people think that I'm, I'm totally insane when I tell them something that doesn't line up with their belief or what the news tells them. And they're right. like, oh, you can't be right. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, I that's do this right. every single day. It's but called clinical experience. No one me still, it's called so. clinical experience. And 100% of the people who want to give you ozone therapy and uh, peptides have seen none of that. They've literally seen no illness. They've never seen illness. Right. They've never seen death. They've never been in a surgery. They've never. They've just ne- never been in a trauma. Never been in a, a uh, you know resuscitation. Never. And you, if you never. don't have that clinical experience, how can you make any claims? It's just you just you just don't know what to think of the range of possibilities are unless you've seen them. So anyway, good times, Mike. Appreciate the call. Thanks, we appreciate it. All right, thanks for the work. All right, now I have to continue to compose myself. Uh, Alex, what's going on? Hey, Dr. Drew. My name's Alex Stein. I'm a broadcaster in Dallas. And I just want to preface this by saying I agree that COVID is a real thing. But the real issue is that we are in a medical nightmare. When you look at Kerry Mullis himself, he said that these tests are unreliable if you run them over 30 cycles. These tests are being run 35 cycles. And then on top of that, if you look at the average age of a coronavirus victim, is 81 years old. The average age for all-cause morbidity is 78 years old. So if you looked at just that, that alone, that would mean on average you live three years older. If you look at the ages of under 18, deaths from coronavirus are almost non-existent. And then on top of that, the CDC even tells us that there's 2.4 pre-existing conditions for every single coronavirus death. So if you can't see that this is what they do every time, they've done this with Ebola, the media can hype up this virus and manipulate their statistics to make the public react any sort of way they want. I mean, it's just absurd that the mainstream media does not shine the light to the fact that they're using bunk tests and the people that are passing away from it are very elderly people with pre-existing conditions. It's absolutely unbelievable that a healthy man like me has to wear a mask in quarantine. It's just, it's a nightmare. And Dr. Drew, I don't believe it's ever going to stop. So my question is, when do you foresee this ever stopping? And I don't think it will, uh, at least for the next few years. So you you packed a ton in there. So let's let's start with the PCR test. So the point you're making is that it's too sensitive, that we do too many passes on the test. So we're picking up pieces of a virus that may not even be infecting. It may be something that's sitting in someone's nose and not even getting in. And that is true. But we we don't want there to be any false negatives. So we've taken the position that we're going to over we're going to have more false positives than false negatives, and that's okay with us. Now the problem with that w- is wouldn't that make it unreliable? Excuse me, I'm not, not trying to cut you off, but wouldn't that mean all it, tests it are unreliable it, then if, if you're not it, even going to set a standard it, of reliability? W- well, there's no word reliability in the world of testing. There's accuracy, and accuracy is the probability that the that you have the illness match with the probability that the test is going to be positive. And so you want the accuracy to be as high as as possible. And the false negative rate, you're not as worried about that. But but the problem, Alex, which you also pointed out, which is then you have a case-demic on your hand. Then you have just cases that you don't know if they're actually infections. And and people know that. It's not like the epidemiologists don't know it. They they understand it, but they've they've everyone said this is the axiom we're gonna sort of proceed with. The problem is that then the press turns that into panic porn. So really it's not just the people that are doing the science that are the problem, it's the panic porn. And for me, 
the panic porn has been the problem since the beginning. It's how I got myself in trouble. I look back at, at what I was saying in February of last year, and I was angry, and I was hostile, and I was aggressive, and that was a mistake. But I, what I saw in February of last year was a press that was literally en route, like building a case to mandate the policy of the secretary general of the Chinese communist government. That the the idea of massive lockdown, which had never, ever, you won't find it in epidemiology textbooks, infectious disease textbooks, that was solely the policy of that one man. Now, there had been a local idea in in the United States invented by a 14-year-old in Albuquerque. Do you know this, Alex? Do you know this story? No, I didn't. Okay. No. So so again, you packed a lot in, so I'm going to try to break it all down and and give you my piece-by-piece answer. A 14-year-old high school girl in Albuquerque, New Mexico, built a computer model for her science experiment one year in 1994, I believe it was. might have been 96, that you could lock down schools locally and decrease the transmission of influenza. And it was a good model. Local school lockdown decrease influenza. Her father, who was at Los Alamos, was a computer modeler and said, ooh, I bet I could build this into a pandemic model. And he did. He published a paper. I believe his name was Green with an E. His daughter was the second author on the paper, a high school student. And the the model was, again, local lockdowns as as a model response for a pandemic. And the Bush administration adopted it as their po- pandemic policy. So lockdown as a policy does not appear in the medical journals, but it was adopted because of a 14-year-old science project in the er- mid-90s. Never used. That sounds insane. That sounds, that's the most insane thing I've ever heard, okay. that a 14-year-old is yeah. dictating our lockdown okay. policy. Well, no, Dr. but, but be fair, it's not the 14-year-old. It's the secretary general of, of China. He's the one well, that wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't you want our leaders to not be taking advice from fourteen year olds? Is that too much to ask? Well, but to the, as a man, Alex, as an I, I, again, I want, I want advice from adults. I, I well, to be fair, I know again, it's cute and funny. I know it's cute and funny, but see, I'm losing my business. Uh, my whole city is shut down. My life is turned upside down. I know. And now you're telling me because some fourteen year old said her school project that it was good in her local city, it was good to shut down. Now you're saying we should shut down? That's absurd, Doctor Drew. See, people like you need to stand up for what's going on because you're <laughs> you're bowing down. All these I'm not bowing. Go to high school. Guys, I'm, I'm saying these I'm, seniors that don't get to play their high school football. If I was a senior and I didn't get to play my last senior football season, and you're laughing about a 14 year old girl's project, that's true. You need to get a grip. You okay. need to get with reality. So, you're so the Alex, one that's letting this happen. You let the media walk all over. So you. Alex, you, let me you, just you tell got you, sick and you didn't get unsick. I'm just saying you need to stand up. You know all right, what's man. going on. I appreciate you're what you're saying, sleep. but hang on, slow down. Let me let me tell you one. Uh, now I'm I'm still ill for one thing, and I can't tolerate much. But I appreciate your your sentiment. But but. When I was really sick and lying there in bed, I want you to know I had one profound thought that was most disturbing to me of all the things I experienced while I was sick. I was lying there really sick, and I thought to myself, good, this is happening to me. In fact, there was a marker, really a statement that helped me through it, a little little, – see my brain. Uh, um, What's the philosophy that's – stoic philosophy helped me through it. And – I sat there going, good, it happened to me because I can share my experience with other people. Good, it happened to me because I'll happily take this bullet. But if I'm on the field of battle down, I want other people to live. The fact that our government is undoing the lives of other people and I'm sick 
and other people are sick with this. It was almost too much, Alex, for me to handle. So I, I appreciate your sentiment. I'm not I'm not uh, immune to it. I, I get it. It, perfect, it affected me profoundly when I was sick. It bothered me like I can't tell you. I wanted other people to live if I was going to be sick. So I get you. Now, but let me finish. Let me finish your whole thing here because because uh, you've got a lot packed into. It. May, may I address everything? Yeah, please. Okay, I'm all here. All right. So 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 that's the original thing I saw in February, which was we had a press that was mandating the Chinese government's approach to lockdown, and they succeeded. They succeeded, and there happened to be a policy on the record from this 14-year-old that never attended massive lockdowns, never intended shelter-in-place. Shelter-in-place came out of nowhere. That is a that is no one's ever thought about doing that. And now it's clear we have a Stanford study that shows shelter-in-place makes things worse. And why not? The transmission occurs in the home. The only person I transmitted to was my son in the home. That's it. That's where the transmission occurs. So shelter-in-place is a flawed policy. And, Alex, closing restaurants, outdoor dining, there's no evidence for any of this being useful or good. The state of California health director admitted that there's no evidence for it, but he just didn't, quote, didn't want people moving around, unquote. So I am. Why keep Walmart open real quick? Walmart's never been closed. What's the excuse for keeping Walmart open? Exactly. And why are are movie sets allowed to serve food and have outdoor dining? There's there's so much irrationality in all this. But but your concern. The right question, Dr. Drew. The other day I went into a store and a woman, the greeter, she put a temperature thermometer to my head. Are they as a door greeter allowed to to uh, assess me like a doctor? Is that legal? Is that even legal for them? Because I've never heard of a medical issue like that. A person that a a private business can diagnose whether you're sick enough. Yeah, or I get it. I, to I, there. I, well, I I get you, and you need to call back on reasonable doubt and ask Mister Caracos that question because that's outside of my field of expertise. I think businesses can do that. They're private businesses that can do what they want. But what I find Alex most intriguing about your call, you're in Texas. Come to California. That's, yeah. I've been trying not to jump in on this call forever. I believe that Dallas has some restrictions in place. Do they? But I don't know. I'm, tr- I'm not sure like they this. do. Not, not like, like this. this. Yeah, we are in a – We are in a. when there was a weird rumor going around for a couple of days that, that there was going to be some sort of um, martial law instituted. And I, everyone kind of – and I, my reaction to that was we're already in martial law in California. Yeah, that would change would, nothing. Change nothing. Well, it would allow me to go outside and talk to a soldier yeah. and show him my papers and go, hey, let me through, man. It's, uh, this is insane. And that, As opposed to now, we just have insanity in charge. But uh, most concerning of all, Alex, is that these are powers that uh, founding fathers never imagined people would get. The effects are profound economically and mental health, profound, and I have been worried about it from the beginning. I got my own ass in a sling in February screaming about it because I could see it coming. And I had I and I got the infectivity and the seriousness of the illness wrong. I even now I'm learning more about the morbidity of it personally. Uh, and so I apologize for that because I'll always apologize if I get something wrong. But this this drive to have a totalitarian lockdown is gravely concerning, misguided, has way more harm than good. And we have to get through this. I do, Alex, believe that there are enough people like you out there that there will be enough pushback. And God, you're in Texas, and so it's it's got to. It's I'm sure it will be better there. I'm not so sure how California plays it out, 
But uh, I appreciate the callings and I appreciate the sentiment. And, and I, in terms of me standing up to things, Gary, let me bounce that off to you. Off of you. So let's say I, I'm trying to see extremism on all sides and I hate all of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's my basic position. I hate all extremism. Uh, I'm middle ground guy. Uh, and I'm happy to speak rationally about that middle ground, but in terms of standing up to the media, I don't quite know what that would even look like, really. I, yeah, again, that was another point where I really had to restrain myself from jumping <laughs> well, in. Well, now Be- jump in. No, okay, you know, Alex, at one point, basically said that you were the one letting this happen, and I think that's... Well, a- they, he no, was hyperbole. I, I understand there was hyperbole built yeah. into it, but yeah. here's what I'll say. You are a private citizen. You are a doctor. Yeah. You have, to my knowledge, been on the front lines treating patients throughout this entire period, <laughs> well before you were sick, and... <laughs> You end up getting COVID, which is unfortunate. You are a media personality. You have a show nightly on Fox here in L.A. Yeah. You have all of your different podcasts. You've been doing a live stream that you've been ramping up since COVID started to yeah. try to get more information yes. out there. Yes. In my opinion, from, from what you as a private citizen and a media personality are able to do, you yeah. are doing everything right. and even doing more than okay. you were. All right. And, and But Alex wants me to take on some of the excesses I, on both I, sides. And, I, and I, I'm not – I'm not – to be fair, there's a problem afoot right now, and I just read about it again this morning from from my peers that they are going to go after licenses of anybody who is on social media or media with, quote, misinformation. Now, Decided by whom? Exactly. Trust me, that is a – That's dangerous. That's a very dangerous precedent. But there was a – there is a former state senator who was also a doctor – that got his license nearly revoked in Minnesota, I think it was. Dr. Uh, shoot, I can't remember his name. Just look up Dr. Congress, uh, Senator, State Senator, license uh, encumbered. And, and he, had to, he had to go defend his license. He had to put together 150 citations. They put together a 40-page document and go out there and defend his, quote, misinformation positions. And this is dangerous stuff. This is dangerous stuff. Uh, and, and so we as physicians are put in a quite somewhat different uh, position. Senator Scott Jensen of Minnesota. Dr. Jensen. Yeah, Dr. Jensen. Thank you. Well done. Uh, and he's a conservative guy and he has a certain p- opinion, but it's based in some you know thought. And so I have been interested in – I'll tell you what, Alex, I have been doing is I've been interviewing people on my stream show every day on, at doctor.com who have alternative opinions, just to kind of get alternative opinions out there and see what they think. The latest thing I worked on was fluvoxamine, Luvox, and I'm thinking about taking it myself. I mean, if I stay like this another few days, I'm going to take Luvox. It, and it's shown great efficacy, great efficacy through the Sigma-1 receptor anti-inflammatory. Who knew fluvoxamine? You can't get doctors to listen to it. The data is looking really good. They're in the middle of a randomized placebo-controlled trial, which is you got to have it. got to have it. Okay. They've got it, and it's so positive they're going to have to stop the study for ethical reasons and open the placebo arm and give them the Luvox because the efficacy has been so good. I'm hearing, but that, of course, has to be published and peer-reviewed first before anybody acts on it. All right. So let's talk to uh, Patrick. Hey, Patrick. Hey, hello. How are you? Thank uh, you for taking my call. You betcha. Uh, yeah, so for a little over a week, uh, I've been taking care of my uh, girlfriend. Uh, she's had a rough bout with uh, COVID-19, but yeah. finally seems to be making a positive turn. Good. But I just wanted to let you know, uh, I listened to one of your podcasts about a month ago, and religiously I've been taking the supplements that you have recommended. 
And knock on wood, so far I'm negative and I remain symptom-free. Good for so, you, man. Uh, I just wanted to and say thank you. You betcha. And uh, wear your mask, wash your hands, and uh, UVC light, very helpful. You know, I, I use, I'm a big, big fan of UVC light right now. It's something called an eye wand that can sterilize everything for you. I, I work with that business, but any UVC light I'm, I'm cool with. And uh, And think about – whether you want to get a COVID test yourself just to see if you're an asymptomatic carrier, it's somewhere down the line with this, so make sure you don't transmit it to other people. All right? Thank you very much. All right, buddy. Well done. Thank you for doing that, and thank you for sharing that. There is – you know, there are clearly people that – my wife didn't get this thing. She was with me the entire night I got sick, no COVID. Corolla was talking to me outside – well, inside and outside. I spent more time with him than anybody the night I got sick. Corolla didn't get it. So it's interesting. Some people are more resistant to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, I don't know if that caller's had the same experience, but I've been taking the supplements you advise as well. Yeah. And I can't remember which one it is, but God, one of them just stinks to high heaven. It makes my whole bathroom stink. The pills themselves. Just, oh, really? I think it might be... Uh, I mean gas or, or, or just the actual feces smell no, different? No, oh, when you, no, when you no. open it up. The pill itself, just the oh, bottle, makes my, uh, my bathroom stink a little bit. Well, those are usually B vitamins yeah, smell probably. funky. Yeah, they, they're the yeah. ones, so I bet that's it. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of a guided meditation in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can't help you feel better. Overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? That's my thing. Headspace helps out, helps you wind down. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, increase your overall sense of well-being. And if you have post-COVID symptoms like me, that can even be beneficial for that as well. I found it quite useful. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you. On your schedule, anytime, anywhere, you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditating. Meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash drew. Again, that is headspace.com slash D-R-E-W for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. It's the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash drew today. As a leader in the CBD industry, Hemp Fusion is committed to providing high-quality, THC-free CBD oil products whether your New Year's resolution is gunning for a raise or an Olympic gold medal, you need to stay at the top of your game. And with so many world-class professional athletes turning to Hemp Fusion, you can be sure you're getting a safe, clean product. From tinctures to topicals to capsules, they have something for everyone. And you know I've been a big CBD fan for quite some time. can help with sleep. I use it topically for my shoulder, which is awful, and it helps with that. Some people use it for aches and pains. To great. I've had elderly patients use it for aches and pains. So, to make it even easier to accomplish your New Year's resolution, Hemp Fusion is offering our listeners 20% off your purchase when you use the promo code DREW at checkout. Once again, that is Hemp Fusion, that is H-E-M-P-F-U-S-I-O-N.com, promo code DREW, for 20% off your order of premium CBD oil products from Hemp Fusion. All right, uh, Josh, what's going on? Hey, Dr. Drew. I, uh, before I ask my question, I just wanted to make a point that when I'm on hold, 
I think Gary's voice, Gary's voice is inaudible. Like it's metallic and it's slowed down like a half step. Oh, that's interesting. Completely inaudible. So I don't know what that is, but anyway, good to know. Thank um, you. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I want to know if you could tell me about what you would do if you were sort of mildly depressed. Well, I am. <laughs> I'd say I was during this whole thing, and it was worse actually earlier. Right now, I'm just so relieved not to be sick. I, there's a little bit of euphoria that comes with that. Um, I, I found I've had a lot of mood stuff during this whole thing, and, and I myself I discovered that when all my workaholism is taken away from me, I get depressed. So, so it'd be one thing if all my outlets that I like doing are taken away and I could go travel and I could have social experiences or something like that. I could substitute something different. We have what do no- you think that is? We have nothing. We have nothing. We can't substitute anything that is mood elevating uh, except Zoom meetings, which only go so far. Gary's shaking his head. What's up? No, I'm, I'm completely with you. And I'm uh, – especially as of late, like I'm feeling a, a real sense of – you know, hopelessness. Like I don't, Jesus. I don't, because I don't know what hopelessness the, is the worst. Because I don't know what the end is. It's like if my whole household gets vaccinated, great. But well, let then, me ask you this: Do do you feel any? Uh, do you feel the measures that uh, President Biden is taking is making you feel more hopeful, or is it at, and just nothing? My my hopelessness is a little bit more localized in that <laughs> I'm I'm unsure. Having a young child, when this yeah. all first started, I sort of surrendered to my wife and what was making her comfortable yes. and what was making our family with our elderly parents comfortable. Of course. And your mom I, is pissed at you for saying elderly. But go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> your mom, I know your mom. No, she's you're, pissed you're right. already. She, she wouldn't like that. But she does admit that she's in a more dangerous group. She's yeah. in a more risk uh, group. Yeah. So risk I just, group. you know, great. Once our whole family gets vaccinated, we can feel more comfortable going and having a birthday party in my parents' you know, backyard or something. And that will be great. No. But at what point can we get back to going out into public? You know, I live in a county where there are a lot of people who are well, anti-vaccine. I, uh, you know, that's not good. You know, so but I will like, tell you that what my son experienced this having had COVID and I experiencing it had, having had COVID. You feel this immediate sense of freedom. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, sure like that I can I, move about. I can yeah. move around and not worry about this thing. Right. And I, I believe I will feel that way as well. But that's I'm the just, vaccine's going to give you that. I'm curious what the community around me is going to do and how the others in my life are going to feel about my sense of freedom. Because I will. You're as going soon as I to, get that yeah. second shot, I'm yeah. going to – we're going we're going. You're, going, you're going to ha- – I can tell you this again from my experience. You're going to have to continue to signal. Oh, yeah. I'll wear the mask. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, all the just, usual stuff. But but the question, though, is when is the, the outlet – when are the outlets for living going to be restored? Exactly. And or and Orange County is better than everywhere else. It man. is. I mean, it's way better. No, it is. I, I mean, Laguna was out of control busy this week. Actually, I, I, kind of uncomfortably. Like people were not like worried me a little bit. Even yeah. though the Orange County numbers are going down, which is nice. It, it is. Um, but there's not. You don't see the same vigilance that you see in other places. No, new no. and and a lot of you know backdoor restaurants and things like that. Oh yeah, <laughs> a lot of stuff going on. Oh yeah, uh, which is wonderful, and we took full advantage of it. Yeah. You know, we're moving about and. Uh, that's the way it goes. But Josh, the the really sad thing about this is whatever your outlets are. So for me it's working and you know getting out and it's I, I public speaking is the thing I miss the most. I, I didn't realize how much I love public speaking and traveling to do so and meeting different people and stuff. That was crushing to me. Whatever your outlet is, it's taken away from you. And in many cases, so is your livelihood, so is your business, so is your immediate term future we don't know what's coming and i say 
A, we are meaning-making machines, so find ways to make meaning in this. For me, the sickness gave me meaning to sort of share with other people, number one. Number two, we are uh, we are we need connection with other people. So whatever it is to get some connection, make a habit of getting out with other people, even if it's out of doors. Something that you feel comfortable, spend time with people, and and ideally in a place where you can kind of take your mask off and kind of see each other's faces, even if you know it's a fair distance. But again, to whatever your degree, you're comfortable with that. And then number three, our governments have got to restore living, have life. They've got to do it. And they've got to do it soon. And uh, I, I kind of feel like Biden's trying that. He wants to try to aggressively get things you know, going so things can be restored. I agree with you. However, I more so than ever am scared of my governor. Well, the, California. That's Correct. what I was just going to say. To Alex's point about when is this going to end? When is this going to end? Uh, we have a situation in California where these people seem to get off on this. And I don't know what their end game is. I don't know what's going to go on. I don't know if I'm going to have to move out of California. I don't know. These are discussions I'm having too. Yeah. And that would mean moving away from my career and starting completely over. There's a lot of people in Austin need your work. Need what you do. Right. No, Um, I know. But like, but that's what I'm saying is like, even without that sense of, of, you know, safety and and assuredness that there will be something for me in a place I choose, I'm still thinking about it. So, Josh, it really is paying attention, and if I really felt bad – listen, I'm feeling bad now because of my illness. I'm thinking about taking some medication. I would not resist taking medicine if it if you're having trouble sort of functioning, the, the, the ability to function. And it's sort of – you know, I'm in kind of a weird position, which I'm having trouble functioning, but I am functioning. And so I'm like, eh, do I really need this thing? I don't know. I'm not sure. But – you know, don't resist getting and, – and the one thing that has been good, you know, there's few good things that came out of COVID and one of them is telemedicine and psychiatric telemedicine particularly has been quite good, not psychological telemedicine. The the therapeutic stuff, it's been okay, but you can do CBT and stuff. It's not been great. Psychiatric assessments, which is medical, have been quite good. I have a lot of good results with that. Joel, what's going on, Joel? Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Hey, what's up? Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I have a couple of questions. One, I have a, a son who's uh, five years old, and I know normally kids would be considered out of the the uh, range of risk for this thing, but he has Down syndrome. Yeah. And so I had questions about what I may need to, uh, if I really need to worry that much uh, compared to other parents where the kids don't. And, and he, um, so, wait, wait. So your kid, your kid's he's he's a Down's child, yes. Yes. And does he have any problems, respiratory problems, anything else going on related to his Down's? No, actually, we were, he's pretty lucky. He didn't require heart surgery, and he doesn't have pulmonary hypertension. Yeah, and uh, he's not on, on any current medication. I'm not aware so, of. I'm not aware of there being any any issues uh, with Downs any more than any other five year old, um, but that may just be me. I'm not a pediatrician. I'm not somebody that really should be relied upon for this kind of information. I, I generally, you know, I, I generally am not worried about children and COVID, even with uh, chronic conditions of the sort of of uh, neurobiological, you know, neuropsychiatric chronic conditions. I'm not any reason to be worried about those kids that I'm aware of. The only thing we worry about, and it's confusing to me, is whether the children can bring stuff home to you. And you're 44, so you're not at high risk. It's going to be a while before you can get the vaccine. And so these are the conversations that people are having now, which is what do we do 
we, you know, what do we do with kids? They are, they are being – I can't tell you how many calls I get on the sort of 8 to 15-year-old zone. The psychiatric problems there are spiraling. I've never seen anything quite like this. It's horrible. They need to solve this problem fast because it is it, – you are sacrificing a generation. Don't, don't you think you're doing otherwise – by keeping people away from their peers. Josh was, what, 40 or something, 35 called. He's having depressed because he can't be with his peers. Imagine you're 14 and in the middle of your development, everything has been taken from you. It's extremely problematic. But Joel, I, I don't, I'm not aware of any special risk, but uh, obviously at 44, you have to make a decision about what kind of vaccine you want to get or whether you want to get the vaccine. I, I could do a whole thing on vaccinations. Just know that the RNA, mRNA vaccines are worth the risk if you're in a risk category, for sure. If you're younger than that, it's, it's, a, it's a discussion. I would still take it personally. But if you want to wait for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine or the Novavax vaccine, I, I get that. I fully get that. Can I ask you a question about yeah. that real briefly? Yeah. How is that supposed to work? Because right now everything in California, I'm only speaking obviously from my experience, is they've got the super site set up. They've got yeah. Dodger Stadium, yeah. Disneyland, and whatever. Yeah. If you know I fall into one of the non-risk categories younger, if I wanted to wait, would I then wait for my doctor to be allocated Johnson & Johnson? No, vaccines? pharmacies. That's going to come out in the pharmacies. That's what okay. I, I believe is going to happen. So CVS and Walgreens have said they're lining up for that. And uh, my bet is that will come around May-June. Which is sort of when my age group is going to be probably. eligible anyway. Probably, right? yeah. The 65-plus are the ones I worry about more than anybody, and they've got to get them vaccinated. I've been worried about that from the beginning. That was insane policy, insane. These are the ones with the most to gain and the most likely to get really sick. And you leave them out of the initial group? That's effing it's, – I talk about unethical. It's, it's, it's unconscionable. Hey, Joe. Hey, how you doing? I'm sort of hanging in there today, but what's up? All right. Well, first, uh, I, I've been listening to, to the podcast. And download, please, the Teladoc app. That has been so helpful for me in reference to uh, seeing a psychiatrist, yeah. getting the help that I need. Yep. Um, it's all virtual. Teladoc, T-E-L-A-D-O-C. It's Thank an you. app that you, can, that you have on your phone. Thanks, um, Joe. And, it, and I, I we, neither of us have any financial relationship with that organization, so it's just he's just had a good experience with it, and I've heard others that have had. So, Joe, what's up? Right. So I'm calling because uh, I read an article this morning um, about uh, Bamlanivimab yep. um, and how um, Eli Lilly is reporting that, the, um, that it has decreased serious by 80%. I'm not surprised. I'm one of them. Yes. I'm one. I would have been in the hospital without bamlanivimab. I'm convinced. That's what I've been screaming about. This leads to my question for you, Drew. We know it's four weeks now since your COVID diagnosis. Mm. If you waited until you were positive for COVID, what do you think would have happened to you? I did did wait until I was positive. That's one of the... No, meaning for treatment. Meaning for treatment. Because you went early and aggressive. Oh, oh, if I had waited... Ivermectin. Yeah, who knows, uh, Joe? I mean, I I can tell you for sure. I could tell when I was getting the infusion, the most significant improvement for me was bamlanivimab. That that was the thing that had the most dramatic effect. I could feel some benefit from ivermectin. I'm not sure the doxycycline did much. I don't think the hydroxychloroquine did anything. Uh, the steroids helped me quite a bit, but the bamlanivimab it was striking. And it was also striking that as I described the effect I was getting, my nurse who was doing the infusion said, I hear this all day. 
And, and it's uh, and the fact that doctors are not prescribing it and don't know how to prescribe it. It's Coram C O R A M. You can go there in about in most major cities. Is is so? It's sick to me that my peers don't grab on to what's new and available and effective. Now, I also saw an article, Joe, this morning that the government's now trying to push that people. Now, this is no longer President Trump's treatment, and so the government is out there tr- pushing it harder. And I think there's more ears listening. Well, hopefully, because uh, you know, every day, every day there are two hundred thousand positive cases of COVID, yeah. and there's currently 125,000 hospitalizations. We could get and, those. I bet we can get those in half with proper use of this stuff. Easily. Yeah. Easily yeah. in half. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, people, I think also people are still not properly informed. Now we're, now we're one Dude. year in from the first positive case in the United States. Yeah. And I people know. are still not informed. I Listen, man, it's been, I, my peers are not informed. Forget the patients. The doctors are not informed, and it, and there's this weird thing where surgeons are going very aggressively and improvising, and internists are getting more conservative and orthodoxy oriented. It's very I'm, strange. I'm still, man. I'm still hearing the comments from friends, from friends, and a number of doctors saying, "Well, you know, I mean, we just wait it out." I mean, and, and you mean, you'll also hear bamlanivimab is not available as an outpatient, which it's only available as an outpatient. Your insurance won't cover it. It's covered by everything, including Medicaid, everything. Uh, or you can only get that in the hospital or it doesn't work, and none of that is true. And if, maybe we ought to uh, – Joe, email me that story, will you, the, 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 the link? I have it as well. I can oh, okay. Give it, maybe we I can put give it, it to you. But yeah, you know, everything you just described – I had people who were armed with your information going to doctors yeah. and going to medical yeah, professionals yeah. with like recordings of you and yeah. still like, no, that's not, we're not going to do it that way. Wow. It's insanity. And, and if, well, I mean, if you're 30, I get it. But if you're 60, no, these are people. Yeah, you know, this is a friend of mine who got it, and then both of her parents in Ugh. their late 60s got it as well. And, and, all three and, of them. And, and, and Drew, I asked, I asked Diana, who is one of our local yeah. nurse. nurse super fans. Yeah. And um, she might have been the one that recommended you to it at first. Well, she was the and one that she was the one that alert, alerted me to the availability months before I needed it. <laughs> when I, but I, but I, I announced then. Available. I said I, I announced then if I get sick, I'm going to get that medicine. I could see what it was doing, and uh, lo and behold. So, all right, my friend. Listen, I've got to, I've got Thank to wrap you. things up, and uh, we appreciate it, Joe as always. We'll see you on locals. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, man. That's locals.com slash Dr. Drew. And uh, Gary, thanks for this. It's a very uh, lively discussion. I think pertinent stuff for today. Absolutely. Thank you for the information. Takes the it, I, I can barely, you know, I've got numbness and tingling in my hands and feet now because of this. It's so crazy. Uh, I'm really thinking about that Luvox, maybe, which is another aggressive, not even aggressive, but uh, available treatment for some people. They don't know if it works in the long hauler situation, but I can always be case one and see if I can help other people by being so. All right, everybody, go doctor.com. Everything's there. Uh, doctor.tv, Facebook, Dr. Drew. Uh, we appreciate you coming in. Follow me on Twitter at Dr. Drew and uh, check out the lo- local streams. <laughs> we talk to interesting people, bring in interesting ideas about these very issues. We're broadening out a little bit this week to um, yeah, do things like uh, Sex with Emily and things like that. And uh, Julian Barbie's coming in. So we're getting a little more varied topics coming on in. So check it all out. We'll see you next time. 
For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or Dr. Drew.com. Thank you.